Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix 158th film. It's from 2019. It's a rom-com and it's called Always Beat My Maybe. It's directed by Nanansha Khan. It stars Ali Wong, Randall Park, James Sato, Michelle Bateau, Vivian Bang, Daniel Day Kim and Keanu Reeves. I am Jesse and I am here with MJ. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I like I like when we get to talk about a, a film with a big cast that we all know about. I like to talk about a comedy film. Um, so I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Um, I'm also very happy to see your face. It's nice to, to see people, um, even if it's through a computer screen. So uh, <laughs> maybe one day in, in a couple of years, we'll get to uh, record together uh, at some stage. Oh, we're not as far off as you think. We're, I think we should as soon as we can physically do it. Obviously, our, our, our personal circumstances have changed a lot since we last actually recorded with each other, you know, about a year and a half ago. But um, <laughs> we, we're going to make it happen. We have to make it happen. It's going to be great to sit there with your big mic in, in front of us and <laughs> our iPads and whatever. And we're ready to go. I, I think we should, we should pencil something in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. It'll be very nice. Yeah. But uh, in the meantime, we are talking about Always Be My Maybe and we start our show off with our fast flicks where we do a quick little catch or capture of the film. What, what's your fast flicks mm. for this film? I had a bit of trouble with this one. It doesn't, I don't know about an elevator pitch for this film, but anyway, I've gone with um, childhood friends meet again as adults and take stock of their respective lives and, and figure out where they would have worked, whether they would have worked together as a couple. Yeah, nice. I I went, used a lot of the same words, but simpler. I just said, uh, childhood friends reconnect later in life. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what I should have done. <laughs> like, I, had, I, I, I had trouble with it. I had exactly the same issue because I was like, I wrote another, another sentence and I was like, nah, that doesn't really help anything. So uh, yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm glad that we uh, both had a bit of a, an issue with that one because yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, trick, it's a right. tricky one. It, it says more about the film than us now. It's official. Good. Well, uh, tell us more about how this film was put together and how it got to Netflix in our little bit of a take on what we can see. Yeah, look, I, well, probably not an exciting story, but I did enjoy sort of reading up on it a little bit. So Ali Wong and, and Randall Park um, are friends. So they, they met in the, in the late 90s during a fried rice cooking competition hosted by a mutual friend from, their, from the LCC Theatre Company, which is an Asian-American performance group that, that Randall Park co-founded while he was attending UCLA. But uh, yeah, the pair of them basically stayed in touch since then. They remained close friends and were obviously both semi-big names in the industry, so they were pretty supportive of, of each other throughout the journeys. Um, Ali Wong mentioned in, a, in an interview that her and Randall Park had been working for years to develop what they described as their own version of When Harry Met Sally. Um, big shoes to fill. Don't want to be throwing that term around too quickly. When Harry Met Sally is a great movie and, and very highly acclaimed. It's a good film. Um, yeah, so in, in August 2017, uh, after there'd been a bit of buzz about that interview from, from Ali Wong and like, oh, can we make this happen? Let's make this happen. Uh, Netflix, the, uh, the heroes in the story, they, they announced that they had, had greenlit an untitled film written by the pair of them as well as uh, Michael Golamko. Um, and obviously Ali Wong and Randall Park were going to star in this untitled film. Uh, and then in March 2018, so a fair little, fair bit of time had passed, 
is when Nanacha, Nanachka Khan was announced as making her directorial debut, uh, feature directorial debut, I should say. Um, and in in May, so a few months later, is when the rest of the cast was announced and they announced that the film was going to be titled Always Be My Maybe. So principal photography began at the end of May in 2018 in Vancouver. There was also additional filming in San Francisco in July. Uh, Keanu Reeves, who was actually in the middle of filming John Wick Chapter 3, flew into the city for a couple of days between his shoot just to shoot his couple of scenes. So he was in New York, flew into San Francisco to shoot his couple of scenes. And I, I, this is probably the most interesting part of the, uh, of the whole journey is the Keanu Reeves side of things. So his, his casting was initially thought to be a pipe dream. And this is probably one thing that I was most interested in looking up. So he was basically, and this is, I'm going to quote um, the director, um, Nanat, uh, lost her name. Nanachka Khan, and I apologise for butchering that name. Butchering that name twice now. I'm probably going to do it once or twice more. I, I did it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did it right at the start. Um, so basically, I'm going to do the spoiler alert now, if that's all right, Jesse. I don't know what I'm going to say, but if you haven't seen this film, um, definitely, definitely watch it before you listen to us, because from now on, we're going to spoil it. Particularly if you have seen the film, you know, Keanu Reeves is obviously a, a big part of it. So. Um, they were basically like, look, he's going to be a pipe dream if we can get him in the film. We don't know what his schedule would be like, but he'd be like the perfect fit. Um, it's going to be impossible. What's the chance of him being available? Um, so they also had alternatives to Keanu Reeves when they were writing this script. And, and those I found out were Tony Leung, Mark Dacascos, M. Night Shyamalan and Paul Giamatti. Very different different group of people that they were thinking Massive about. Anyway, all, all could sort of fill a role, but... But no, Keanu Reeves, who apparently is a big fan of Ali Wong's stand-up, he was on board from the start. He found a way, like he made this possible between his own schedule. Um, and he was basically honoured to be part of this love story. Um, so he went over the script with, with everyone who was writing it um, in LA, pitched a couple of things. The idea of wearing glasses that had no lens in it was his idea. And, and the part in the game night scene where he starts to list all the Chinese dignitaries was also his idea. Um, a lot of things he sort of came up with himself, basically taking the piss out of himself. Um, and I, I will probably talk about later on, but the, the idea of Keanu Reeves being in this film was surprising when it happened. And it's interesting as well to know how on board he was with this film. But either way, the film itself, Always Be My Maybe, was released in selected theatres on the 29th of May in 2019 on Netflix a couple of days later. Uh, in July that same year, Netflix had reported that it was viewed by 32 million households in its first four weeks of release. So very, very popular. We always have to say this, but we take Netflix's figures sometimes with a little <laughs> bit of grain of salt because they can't, <laughs> they can't be checked by anyone. But either way, big success story for Netflix when they obviously put a fair bit behind it. You've, you've summarized it really well. I've, I'll just add a couple of little bits to, to the, the story that you've told, I guess, where, um, where you're mentioning that, you know, Keanu Reeves was always that uh, first choice for that role. And uh, I think he quoted like her stand up back to her, but um, that Paul Giamatti idea was, uh, you know, an interesting idea because he's pretty white. Um, and, <laughs> and um, Ali Wong, literally was saying, you know, it was very important for her that this character needed to be an Asian American um, because she really wanted it to 
express that idea and her attraction towards Asian American men. So uh, she mentioned when she first watched Speed that, you know, this was when she became aware that Keanu was, was um, Asian American and um, mm. you know, she really, that's why she was so focused on him being a part of this. So uh, it's a nice thing that he actually got on board and, and you know, because word around town is he's one of the nicest guys going around oh, and, and, and uh, there's I think there was even I was listening to a just like talk back radio where uh, people were calling in about Keanu because he spent a bit of time here doing the Matrix films in Australia and and people just telling their stories of when they met him and some of the nice things he did when he was here so it, it, it's very funny that he got involved uh, in this film too um, the the idea too like San Francisco obviously is a big part of this film and they did want to film the whole thing in San Francisco, but obviously um, a little bit too expensive. So that's why they did move to Vancouver, like you mentioned for a majority of the film. Um, well, what else have we got? The, the, the title of the film is from or based on that Mariah Carey song that you do here towards the end of the film, always be my baby. I did see that there is a Filipino film called exactly the same thing um, that came out in 2016 uh, I, I looked at the plot just to see like what was going on, but I think it's a very different film. Um, similar sort of idea, but it's, a, it's definitely a, a romantic uh, type of film, but uh, different sort of plot points. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little bit intrigued to be like, see whether there was any sort of connection at all there. Considering uh, it's a semi-obscure title, uh, mm. yeah, I wasn't expecting two of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? The last, last bit, I'll, I'll finish off with uh, some translations from around the world. This this translated oh, yes. pretty much to always be my maybe or be my maybe and, and things like that across the world. So um, I'll start off with, you know, something that's a bit closer and then sort of head towards the obscurities where in Italy it was called until <laughs> maybe you part. To me, that sounds a bit like a, a film where someone's going to die. So that one. That one death, <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah, death in there. Yeah, a lot of death that one. In Poland, it was called, I guess for sure you. <laughs> and- <laughs> All right. I like that one. I do like that one. And the best one uh, was Russian, where it was called "You Are My Doubt." <laughs> uh, oh, <yeah. laughs> I like the Polish one. I do yeah, like the, the I like the indecision with it. All right, t- time for the tagline. The, the tagline. I'm not sure whether you saw it, but didn't see it. Okay, good. Let's. I'm look, looking forward to your reaction for this one because the tagline for this was uh, "There's always been something between them." It's <laughs> uh, almost like just that- rehashing the title. That's not very good. No, it's not at all. I would, I would be okay if it was bad, but it was kind of fun. But it's, it's, it's neither. I'm disappointed in that. I expected better. Good, me too. Um, we'll finish off with some awards that this one. So I did win an award at the Chicago Indie Critics Awards for best original song for the song that rolls over the the credits of I Punched Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it was also nominated for three other awards. So it was nominated for the Guild of Music Supervisors Award for the best music supervision for film budgeted under 25 mil. So that gives us a bit of an idea about uh, how much this film cost. It was also nominated at the Houston Film Critics Society Award for the best original song for what we just mentioned before. And the last one was Ali Wong was nominated at the People's Choice Awards for favorite comedy movie star. However, she lost this to another Netflix favorite and another film that we have covered on this show in uh, Centineo in The Perfect Date. So So that was a a good little connection. It was good at that. Yeah, it wasn't too bad at all. before we get into the consensus, I guess, did you have a percentage match for this? I've already watched this film, um, cool. so I didn't. This is one of the very few films that I had actually watched prior to 
um, last pod. I probably watched it not long after it came out, to be honest. So, no, I didn't have one. So, I, I had 85%. Um, okay. And then we ended up watching it on my wife's account. So, this is the first one in a while that I've actually, of the, the podcast uh, movies that we've done that I watched with my wife. She had already seen it as well. But she still got a percentage okay. match of 91%. So, um, very interesting. But she must, uh, yeah, she must have given it the thumbs up. Thumbs up. No, I checked. <laughs> like, it wasn't yeah, there. So. You'll like this again. Yeah. <laughs> so, 85% for me for a rom com is pretty high. That's surprising. Mm. That is surprising. They just wanted you to watch it. This is one of their big tentpole titles, I guess. True. Well, let's talk about the consensus. What are the critics and audiences saying about this one? Man, the audience is. The audiences liked it. They really liked it. Like IMDb is a 6.8 out of 10 of 51,000 ratings. That is a very high score. 6.8 out of 10. That, that's, mm. I mean, that's nearly, nearly three and a half stars um, from 51,000 people. Letterboxd actually had nearly 75,000 ratings and it's a 3.1 out of 5. So not as high, but it's still really good. It's, yeah, the, the 75, nearly 75,000 reviews sort of blew my mind a bit. I was like, wow, that's that's a lot of people that have gone out yeah. of their way on Letterboxd. The other scale with our favourite uh, Rotten Tomatoes, very positive as well. It sits on a 90% on 99 reviews from critics. And that is certified wow. fresh. And the audience also rated it pretty high. And that's on over 1,000 people going onto Rotten Tomatoes, which we don't see very often. They had it at 80%. No. So all round, uh, some pretty positive thoughts about this one. Positive? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of high scores. Also, before we move on, I forgot to mention, this did uh, play in theatres for a couple of days as well. They, they did push it on um, for a limited release two days before it hit Netflix on the 31st of May 2019. But Dude. I think we should lead into our early thoughts. What are your thoughts? Yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, look, I've, I've seen it. I watched it when it came out. For me, it's probably the definition of just like a real meh kind of movie for me. I think there are a couple of chuckles and there are a couple of scenes that I like, but I think in general, everything about this film is just a little bit pedestrian, a little bit underwhelming. I think for a romantic comedy, it wasn't that romantic uh, and it wasn't that funny. So when you're not really hitting on one of those, there's only so far that it can go. Uh, I, I also never really cared enough for either of the main characters. I didn't dislike them. I was just never that invested in them or the relationship. So uh, to be honest, re-watching it, I, wasn't, I was not looking forward to re-watching it. Not that I hated it. It was just like, do I want to be dedicating 90 minutes of my time to watch this film again that I know wasn't that good? And I probably enjoyed it maybe a little bit more than the second time, but it's still just a very, as I said, very pedestrian movie. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, the the first half hour of this to me was an absolute slog. Um, I was like really getting ready to dislike it, but picked up a bit, pace picked up a bit, humor picked up, and I didn't mind it too much in the end. Mm. So that's uh, yeah. yeah. That's why I, I was so surprised by when I looked at the, all those numbers. They are really high ratings. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's obviously some sort of connection happening, but um. I guess we can talk about some characters from this one. And did you connect with any characters or who would you want to talk about? Well, let's start with Sasha. Um, Sasha wasn't a bad character. Like I like the fact that she was very independent, very successful. She loves what she does. I kind of love it when she's at home cooking for herself and still, I know there's a bit of a sadness to her at home cooking for herself, but the fact that she still really does it properly and, and, you know, she clearly loves what she does. Um, And despite that, she's, sort of caught up in everything 
you know, in the industry, she still definitely has that foresight and desire to not only strip things back to why she fell in love with cooking, but also open up her heart to, to Marcus again without too much effort. It doesn't take too much to get her back to that. And, and I kind of like that. She's, she's pretty real. Um, but that's, that's probably all I can really talk about with her. There's not much else. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same with pretty much all the characters in this film. There's, there's not an awful lot that you can really flesh out of them because they have that one little strand or that connecting piece where, you know, you, you've got, like you mentioned with Sasha, like she grew up at home pretty much by herself. She was almost like a, an adopted um, child for Marcus and his family because, you know, she had no one at home. So come next door and, and hang out with us. And I think that it's always difficult in this type of film to push those romantic connections between the two when they do these flashbacks of, of how close they've been together throughout. So, um, and when they do go their separate ways, like based on the title, you know that that's, that's going to happen. So there's no surprises there. I think that the idea that she becomes that successful chef is a nice little touch based mm. on what we'd seen previously. But the, the start of us seeing her as a, a grown adult, as a chef, it didn't match with the previous or the, the youthful side of her. She sort of came across as like this real hard ass straight away mm. that we, we had never saw any of that previously. We just saw this sweet, kind hearted person. And, and this was probably a little bit of a disappointment too with her, her boyfriend, Brandon, for me, where um, I love Daniel Day Kim and he wasn't, he was barely in it. And, and I, it just didn't, it, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those typical um, cliches that you see in a film where you, you know, whether who's going to end up with who. So you've got to prove straight away that they're not, they're not going to connect at all. And um yeah, I, I, it sort of leads into that idea that she doesn't want to be tied down. She's always wanting to move on to the next next thing. So there was no uh, no doubt of what was going to happen, I guess, with her. It's a good point. There's a lot of limitations on where the story is going to go because the mm. story has to go somewhere. Mm, exactly. All right, fill us in on Marcus. Yeah, I, I kind of felt a bit more let down by this character than Sasha. Um, I like Randall Park. I think he's a really funny dude. We, we kind of watch Marcus in 90% of this movie as the stereotypical, unmotivated, unwilling, undriven guy who just watches life and his friends pass him by. And, and then because of a two-minute chat he has with his dad, we get this <laughs> montage-esque type sequence of him getting his shit together. And there was nothing in the character to really get me excited about. And not really a heap, to be honest, for Randall Park to work with behind, besides some of his you know, well-timed humour that he just brings to roles. But it was just such a nothing character, really. Like, it's like, hey, this guy's undriven and unmotivated. And in our, you know what? He's still really undriven and unmotivated. Just when you think something's... Yeah, he's still he's still this guy. Uh, and it's just not enough to really change it. And then they just change it. So that's kind of it. Yeah, there's not much more to say. I mean, that idea that... I had the same thing. Like, the dad was like this guiding figure that was just going to drop in every now and then to tell him, oh, you should be with her. Oh, you should be with her. And mm-hmm. that that girlfriend, Jenny, that he had, like, I never got the impression that he actually liked her or so. Oh, no. No, and it, I don't know. I just feel like you need some sort of purpose in a film like this that you don't just set the two main protagonists up with people that you know that they're not going to end up with anyway because there's no surprises or no shock value or, or no mm-hmm. actually getting on board with the characters a little bit. So I think that... Um, it's almost like they're just the complete opposites. Whereas, you know, Sasha's driven and he's got no ambition and um, they tried to set him up nicely, but yeah, just didn't, didn't really fit well. 
they dialed at home a little bit too hard. It's like Marcus is really unmotivated. And in every single scene, they want to make sure you know that Marcus is really unmotivated. That's that's Marcus. It's like, oh, is he going to do this? Oh, no, he's unmotivated. It's like, okay, we get it. But yeah. he's got to be more to this character. Like, and He smokes weed. And so, that you know, that's why he's, he smokes weed. <laughs> I like that you mentioned his dad, though, because I, I think Harry is probably the next most important character to talk about. Um, because from the moment he walks into Marcus's room and then he starts dancing, you kind of know that we're getting a little bit more than what we're used to from, from this dad character in these sorts of movies. And I actually found him to be a, a quite a bit of a fre- breath of fresh air. Um, he's basically the example of what Marcus could have been had he moved on with his life after the death of his mother. Um, in effect, it was Harry who was taking care of Marcus, you know, gave him the job, let him live in the house as this basically unmotivated stoner. And eventually he's the one that makes him open up his eyes to no longer missing out on, basically all these opportunities he's missing out on. So it was, he was a good character, Harry. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't even put anything extra for him because he didn't add anything further. Maybe the only other person that I put some stuff in for was Veronica, because I thought that for a change, this was almost a good sidekick in a, in a rom-com type of film where she wasn't going overboard to be too funny. Like the, the lines and the, the moment she had, she didn't overplay or overemphasize what was going on. And sort of was, was that connecting piece between the two to get them where they needed to be. So I didn't mind her too much. I couldn't agree more. I think you said it perfectly. Obviously, she felt a little bit more than just a sidekick because she, she did have her own, her own movements and her own motivations. Um, you know, she wasn't going on with Sasha everywhere Sasha went. She was staying put in San Francisco to bring up her family, start a family. Um, and I agree that she also had some, she had some nice comedic timing as well and didn't overdo it. I think it was a really good role and really good job. Mm. Are there any other characters you wanted to mention? I just, I just have to mention Keanu Reeves as Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like basic, he's basically playing a parody of himself that provided pretty engaging and intriguing sequence in the middle of the film when it was pretty slow before that. And I think if anything, it just further emphasises but Keanu Reeves is just a damn good sport. And as we know, he's just a real good bloke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, when we get into the scenes, I'm sure we'll probably mention some more of those, uh, <laughs> those moments. Uh, director, did you have anything you wanted to talk about, about Nanachka Khan? You're definitely pronouncing that better than I am. Um, like this is this is a feature directorial debut. After she directed a couple of episodes of Fresh Off the Boat, but she's also the creator of Fresh Off the Boat, um, and directed a few episodes of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. Is that called? Is it called Don't Trust the Bee, or is it like Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment Twenty Three? I know that's the yeah. play on words, but I'm not. I'm, yeah, that's. I'm <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, she's done a lot of sitcom writing, basically, on, on those shows. Uh, she's also done writing on, like, American Dad, Malcolm in the Middle, and uh, as well as Fresh Off the Boat, she's a serious creator of Young Rock, which is, I'm learning, is a new uh, new show about Dwayne Johnson and his upbringing. I think it's quite a comedy top yeah. show as well. Yeah, I've, I've seen um, bits and I've seen um, trailers and ads for that on social media. It looks very interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah the, she's, she's the, got some runs on the board. Yeah, the, the big surprise was me with the amount of American Dad um, that she's been involved with. So 
um, obviously got that comedic background. I used to love American Dad when it first came out. I uh, sort of lost the plot after a little bit, but I, I think it's still going. But yeah, I haven't seen an episode in a long time. Yeah, I've watched a bit of it. It is, it is funny, but it's nothing on, you know, Simpsons and Family Guy for okay. me. Yeah, good. All right, well, let's talk about some scenes. What are some ones that you did like in this one? I had a good laugh um, at the start, or near the start, when she has that massive phone call, breakup phone call with uh, Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> not, not the fact that it was so clear by the end of it that she was speaking in front of an open window and every single person was listening to the profanities that she was saying. But I did laugh when, when the guy just said, a little bit softer, please, because you're scaring the goats. I don't know why. It was funny. Well done by that man. You did well. I, uh, I had exactly the same thing because the, the prelude to that was, I hope you get malaria and shit yourself to death. <laughs> and that's, I thought that was hilarious. And then I also had that goat line too. So, yes, I, I agree. That was a good scene. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it sort of picked up so, for me a little bit too. Yeah, right. That's probably a good call. In fact, it's a very good call. Um, yeah. I I don't I don't have specifics of this, but let's just say so Keanu Reeves is in two scenes, but the whole Keanu Reeves sequence is really good. It's it's really it's kind of like a film within a film, to be perfectly honest. It's like they just go off on this little tangent and go, hey, we've got this really cool opportunity, we're gonna do it and we're gonna go for it. And they do, and they nail it. It's really good, it's really funny. He's amazing. Uh, obviously the restaurant they go to is hilarious, and then obviously what they're eating and their, you know, Marcus's reactions to everything. The fact that it's freaking Keanu Reeves, like, it's just, it's just really good. The whole thing's really good. Well, the, to add on to that, that dinner scene, well, I guess that's what you're talking about to start off with the dinner scene, but uh, like Marcus, just his attitude towards the whole thing. I was just, it was almost a laugh a second, just whenever he, he asked a question, like, you know, cause they said everything on the table is edible. And he's like the napkin. And I just, I, I thought that was quite funny <laughs> as well. And then the whole headphone thing with, hearing the animals that you're eating and Keanu crying. I was just like, that was really, really, really well done. Um, yes. It was well done. Continue on. So. Yeah, no, I wanted you to talk about it then. Like it's, it's, it's an, it's a cover all kind of 15 minute passage. So it's, um, there's a lot to dissect in it. I, um, I liked the scene. I think I really liked Harry. So Marcus's dad. And I did like the scene at the end when he, he tries to snap some sense into Marcus. But basically the whole time when he's Marcus is trying to say, like, I have to be there for you, you know, you, you lost your wife. And I did love that line where he said, you know, we, we both lost your mum. And I think as an as a viewer, I'm, I'm kind of watching that the whole time going, you're both going through this and you think you're doing everything for your dad, but you, you're just as bad. So I kind of enjoyed that coming to light. It was obvious and it was probably always going to happen, but I think it worked. They didn't overdo it either. So um, that was good. And and the final thing was just right at the end, the restaurant when it was called Judy's Way. That really got me. I think, uh, that, I, think I must have forgotten that <laughs> because the second time I was watching, I'm like, oh, I forgot that she named it after. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, I've got that as well. Uh, just, yeah, after after the mum, it was nice. Um, I think that stage, my wife was bawling her eyes out. So it was, just, <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a nice moment to uh, finish the film off. So, yeah, good call on that one too. Did she like the film, Jesse? Um, she said it was like middle of the range. So it wasn't great, but it's okay. okay. That was the, the, her All thoughts right. before we started it. So, um, and I said to her, I said, well, you know, you, you know, I'm a huge fan of it. Why are you crying? She's like, I'll just cry in all these types of movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this, I, I don't mind to cry in a movie, but this one probably wasn't quite there for <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when Daniel Day Kim came on the screen, I was like, oh, yes. And then, oh, it was like <laughs> one scene. He, he must have died. He dialed in for like, 
He would have had like two shots. <laughs> he must have got a paycheck for doing nothing. I was so disappointed. Um, but yeah, I was I was happy to see him on the screen. So that was good. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to lead on from uh, when we spoke about the Keanu dinner scene. I'll just add in a couple of bits from the apartment as well that mm. uh, made me laugh because, you know, they're playing these games and, you know, Keanu makes, and one of his responses is that, you know, Mother Teresa was his childhood crush. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> And then, that was and, good, then yeah. and then asking like who's the most disturbing person that you've masturbated to it and jenny's response was mousy dong i was like ah. oh god i was like that. <laughs> uh, that was hilarious um and then you know just keanu daring marcus smash a vase on my head smash a vase <laughs> and he does and i don't know that that whole keanu part was just so good like i was just enjoying it every moment of it was very funny um absolutely I also enjoyed when, you know, Marcus decides to get his crap together and uh, organize things so he can go and see Sasha and he goes into that Tom Ford suit store and, and he's like getting all dressed up and he sees the price and then just spits the champagne everywhere. I had a, a good giggle with that. And uh, the last part, I, I, I enjoyed this song, the rap song over the credits that... Um, yeah, I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, you didn't like it? I thought... Um, you know, we we put the, we have the subtitles on, obviously, and just uh, looking at all the lyrics, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it sort of proves that you know, because because Randall Park was in a he's, he's, he does rapping, doesn't he? So um, you know, he co-wrote this song, and um, yeah, I, I I didn't mind that. I thought it was it was quite funny. I mean, it was a bit repetitive. Obviously, the the chorus was repetitive, but I didn't mind the the bits and pieces in between. Yeah, so I think Randall Park was in a band when he was younger, very similar to Hello Peril, a band in the. Uh, in the movie and with the song apparently uh, i think it was an exec at netflix who decided that oh he go, they watched the film when they'd made it and they hadn't written the song because the last line is hey do you think everyone knows that i punched kind of reason i don't know you should write a song about it and that was it and the execs like i want to hear that song so they went back and and randall park and and a music composer or whatever got there and wrote that song so it was a last minute thought again well done netflix getting it done I enjoyed that song much more than like the tennis ball one and the other, whatever the other one was. Yeah. All right. What are some things that uh, you didn't like in this one? To be honest, I've only got one thing, but I think this kind of helps me understand why this film, A, never really got going and B, why it was so hard to swallow at the start is because I don't really like the fight scene that like breaks up the friendship of, of Marcus and Sasha at the start. It's basically the crux of why this is a movie. I just, n- none of it really works for me from the scene where they're in the car together and they hook up. That was kind of okay until they were laying in the back and everything from that point on just didn't work for me. None of it felt real. None of it felt right. None of it felt like what would actually happen in this situation with these people who have been friends their entire lives. It just didn't work for me. And I think that just is what gets me so off guard. Yeah, I, I had that down as well. The the whole scene in the car and leading into Burger King and it, I didn't mind the the reverse of that scene later on in the film when they're a bit older. Mm. I, I didn't I didn't mind that they reconnected that, but that, that scene was ruined because the you could clearly tell that they were just sitting in a car on a studio lot because the the, the vision of the car moving was so fake. So the yeah i agree i think that the whole setup of the idea of them you know so many years of friendship over a little mm. bit of an argument of burgering just didn't make sense i agree also i didn't like the idea of them sleeping together on the funeral of his mum. it kind of that felt a bit off for me as well maybe a week or two later um 
don't know how well that works when you're actually trying to, you know, get a concise story together. But I think if they had got that bit right, the rest of the film would have worked a lot better for me. But I, I, I really didn't, really didn't buy it at all. Yeah, fair. All right, what else? That was all. I mean, everything, nothing else really bothered me that much. Cool. I, I sort of mentioned this before when I was talking about Sasha, but that first scene of her when she's older in that restaurant running the place, I just never got that impression of her when she was younger. So it just didn't sit right for me. Um, mm. Marcus, when he's sitting in bed um, texting her and she's texting back sort of thing. Oh, no, not texting. They're looking each other up. And he's just sitting in bed and on his shelf, there's like this San Francisco Giants baseball cap on his shelf. And it still had the tag on it. And I just hate that baseball team. So I hate that scene. Um, <laughs> it had the tag on it. Yeah, it had the tag on it. Like, like, and it wasn't even like, you know, the how people leave the stickers on the cap. It was like an, a tag. No. Um, and <laughs> that's bad. The other, the last thing was all the scenes with Marcus and the band just talking. Like there was no need for them at all. And mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I did not find it engaging, didn't find any of their conversations funny. I don't even know why we needed any of those characters from the band um, to have play a part. Mm. Like, it could have just been he's in a band and that's it. Um, so, yeah. That was yeah. Fun. I guess Marcus doesn't have anybody else in his life apart from his dad, unless you count the band. That's probably the only thing. And then, I mean, realistically, um, apart, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, cool. <laughs> let's yeah, let's move, on. move on themes ideas what's this one trying to say well there you go it's moving on is one of the themes of the film <laughs> <laughs> but basically moving on from grief and and out of that trying to make something out of your life um basically don't do what marcus did is <laughs> probably a good way to look at it and, and in that sense not missing the opportunity when it arises. And obviously you've got that in the romantic sense that when Sasha's back in town and there's a chance to reconnect, make sure you take that chance. Similarly with Sasha to take the chance with Marcus, but also really literally with Marcus and opportunities with obviously the gig that they had at that other place across town because it was moving out of his comfort zone. Um, yeah. All really important themes about the about the whole thing. But I think, at its essence, there's there's a big story about family and your roots and not forgetting where you came from and who helped you to get there um, plays a nice role too. Yep, exactly. I think that that idea of remembering where you came from, and they, they probably did this through the idea a little bit of culture and especially through food as well. Um, and the only other thing that I'll add to that is that idea of communication too that, that was lacking on both their ends. Like um, all they really needed to do was at any stage throughout the film express their feelings, whether it was when they were younger or when they're uh, a little bit older, uh, because realistically they need to know each other, need to know what each other wants or what each other wants to do, because without that, they can't move forward. And that was something that was lacking between them. It's a classic rom-com trope though. They yeah. just tell each other they love each other. Ah, oh, God, two kids in love, just tell each other. Speaking of this, this is just a random side thought. So in a film, in a rom-com in particular, I've always thought it was like a cute meet, but it's a meet cute. I've and heard I've it only... both ways. Both so ways, yeah. I remember when I first started at uni, it was definitely not not that it was. I, I learnt it as meet cute. Mm. Well, no, I, I learnt it as no. cute. No, no, that... I learnt it as cute meet at uni. And then yeah. the, the normal conversation is meet cute or whatever it, I, I i've heard them both and then uh meet cute is what i hear a lot more now yeah i always thought it was a cute meet um just from yeah from uni and everything as well but yeah um 
now the the more common one is a, a meat cute, which it doesn't sound meat right. Cute, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, sound it right. sounds more. It sounds more like a technical term. Because mm. cute meat is like, hey, we had a cute meat the other day. It kind of works too well, mm. so it needs to sound a bit more technical. A bit more floggy. All right, let's. Um... Yeah, there's, there's my there's my theory. A bit more pretentious. <laughs> what did you take away from this one? Look, so th- this movie is. It's just so pedestrian that I wonder if you take the Keanu Reeves 15 minutes out of it, would it just be completely derailed? And ironically, it probably is the one part of the movie that has nothing to do with plot, but it works so well from a, from a shock level and movie star level and eventually just the humor of it all. But I think if you take this movie out, it is, sorry, if you take this scene out, it's like the most forgetful movie ever. Yeah, Yeah. You're not wrong there. That's, yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. That that gives this film so much more without that. And imagine if it was Paul Giamatti. <laughs> like, no, I, that's the other question. <laughs> any of those people? Any of those people? So I, like, let's jump ahead to this now because this was my my question. Like, is is Keanu Reeves replaceable at all in this in this role? Because even though we've seen another four people that they would have wanted. And look, Paul Giamatti would have been interesting. It would have it would have been a very different scene. In fact, any any person would have been very different. I just mm. can't imagine it having the level of what it had with Keanu Reeves with anybody else. Yeah, I, I, I just I, can't. The, the first thought that came to my head, I'm like, oh, maybe Zac Efron, but no, the, the, the same. I don't think it. Keanu's that that character that he's so used to that type of you know his tone of voice and the way he um, mm. the way he acts and stuff. So it. I think that um, that works so well in that scene that they those scenes that they put together. It's a slam dunk getting Keanu. It is an absolute slam dunk. Yep, excellent. Um, I for me, I think that there's no scenario where this film needed to be as long as it was. This is a this film should be a perfect ninety minute runtime, and I think it was like it was like nearly close to two hours. Um, I don't, I don't. I know that there's a lot of creative control given from Netflix, but you you condense this down a bit and take out some of the things that I mentioned before, especially with the band and things like that. Like you can make this a lot tighter and a lot more um, accessible because, and especially, I think the the first half an hour, like there was no need for give us mm. a quick, especially if they're going to make a breakup over an argument in Burger King, you didn't need the first 20 minutes. So you, you show them cooking in the kitchen, living next door to each other and you're done. And then, because mm. then it doesn't, you don't feel like, you know, these characters as much or that they've spent as much time together. So it's not as in, like, it's not as big a, a shock when they just, oh, we're never talking to you again, sort of thing. It's a good point. They did not have to be like the best of friends as kids growing up. That just mm. wasn't that important, but that's what they set up. And they set up, they were, these were like best friends and they didn't, they didn't need to be. Yep, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, did you jump onto IMDb to check anyone out? Yeah, I did. I jumped on for my boy Harry, played by James Sato. He's been in lots and lots of things. Nothing too, uh, nothing too familiar where I'm like, oh, that was him. But he was Shredder in the 1990 Teenage Ninja, <laughs> Teenage Ninja Turtle film, which obviously I remember that as a kid. And it's that voice. It's definitely him. Like that's that that Excellent. sort of rings a bell with me. So I, I reckon there's something there in my brain that picked that up. That's that's a really good one. Um, I was yeah. I, mine was the same. I was I really wanted to look up um, um, Randall Park because I was like that the voice. I don't know. I was, I could just 
picture characters in my head. And I did a quick scroll. He's been like, he's done so much voice acting, like, you know, from American Dad, where he worked with the director, obviously. And he's done voices in that Star Trek, the new Lower Deck show, Bojack Horseman, um, just heaps and heaps of stuff. But I think the, the thing that I probably uh, recognized him from the most was from WandaVision, where I didn't even pick up on it, where he plays that, the Jimmy Woo character that he plays in Ant-Man that um, I just, yeah, I don't know why, but I didn't even make the connection. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely just in stuff. Like he's mm. just in lots of things. There's little cameos here and there. I've watched a fair bit of not a fair bit. I watched a bit of Fresh Off the Boat where he's the he's the lead in that, and he's uh, I like him. I think he's funny. He's definitely got good good comedic timing. Good. All right. Did you have any questions or further questions that you wanted to ask? I did. So this is the first time in a long time I've had two questions for you. So I obviously <laughs> asked the first one about Keanu Reeves. Um, the other one: Have we ever had an actor or actress appear? in consecutive movies on the Flix Forum podcast or oh, in, in order of chronological release? Because we had one in this. Okay, so what, uh, what was that last episode? Room of the World? Room of the World. And we had someone that was in that that was in this. That uh, is correct. Nah, no idea. Fill me in. So Maya Cech, who played Jen Jen from Room of the World, ah. also played 12-year-old, 12-year-old Sasha. Ah, very nice. Impressive. Yeah. No, I didn't even didn't so I don't think we've had a, didn't MP. I don't think there's been consecutive Netflix films that have had the same person in it. So we would have been a big, big couple of weeks for the uh Maya Czech household. That's uh, huge, yeah. On Netflix. That's also a good pickup from you. Yeah. Well, you know what? Because I actually think I might have had a quick look at her last week and I saw that she was in Always Be My Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, we're watching this. And then obviously she came on. I'm like, oh yeah, there she is in the first there minute of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. No, I didn't even didn't even recognize her. And she was in a lot of Room of the World. So <laughs> she was one of the main characters. Yeah. Um, you've already answered one of the questions I had for you because I'd said uh, my question was, you'd seen this before. Were you looking forward to rewatching it? And you said no. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> and the other one, I couldn't find this anywhere. And I just I don't know whether you saw it somewhere. So I just want to say when when they're kids and they show them going into each other's house, are they the houses from Full mm. House? Oh, goodness gracious me. They it just looked like oh, the Full House houses so much. I don't think they would be because the one, the, the Full House house is a house that someone lives in now and I'm pretty sure they're not using it for, because um, yeah. we actually checked it out a couple of years ago. We actually walked there just to stand outside the front and take a photo of it. But um, I imagine there's lots of houses like that in San Francisco, but that's a great pickup. We, um, when I was in, I've been to San Fran three times, I think. The last time I was there, they they had this, their Super Bowl was in San Francisco, I think, or in Oakland. And um, they had these like, 50, it was the 50th Super Bowl. So they had 50 huge Super Bowls of big fo- American footballs all around San Francisco. And one of them was out the front of the houses, of, like on the hill, oh. looking down on the full house houses. <laughs> so that was funny. They'd be so sick of it. Yeah. Would, I, we felt, I felt guilty taking a photo in front of it, to be perfectly honest. We're like, quickly, take it. Quickly, let's go. Get out of here. Don't, don't be those assholes. But yeah, it was, yeah. Full <laughs> House is great. Full House is like the most wholesome TV show you could ever watch. <laughs> Everything it is, is so nice. I'm like, the Olsen twins, they were like childhood crushes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're so young in this band. <laughs> uh, not when they're in that. Come on. <laughs> they were growing up at the same time as me when I did all those crappy. Uh, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, teenagers. You are yeah. right. Yep. Okay. Let's uh, let's wrap this one up. And at the end of we 
try to work out a rating out of five for the film and come up with an average. And what are you going to lead off with? Yeah, look, always be my maybe is fine. It's easy enough to watch. It is never anything more than easy enough to watch, though. So it it barely jumps off the page. And despite the fact that I do like the cast, I like the character. Sorry, I like the cast. The characters' stories are really underwhelming. So the cast just didn't have much to work with. And as I said, I really do wonder what happens to this film if Keanu Reeves isn't the best sport in the industry um, because that scene sequence, I guess, yep. makes this film. But it's still two and a half stars for me. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I've, I mentioned the start was really slow. It picked up from that, uh, the party scene where... We have that breakup on the phone. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the Keanu scene, like the, I was fully into that and enjoying that. And mm. just that segment there was was good for me. Uh, it was nice to see, you know, we, we've seen recently, we've seen Crazy Rich Asians and um, mm. what's the other one with the Farewell with Aquafina. Um, yeah. And it's nice to see another film that sort of sits into this category where we're seeing some positive Asian leads that are taking control over a, a project and, you know, not necessarily hitting the mark 100%, but there are some good moments in this one. So I'm giving it a three. Which gives I 100% a, agree with that sentiment, mate. That's great. Yeah. Gives us a 2.75, which is good. Nothing wrong with that at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, I have a question for social media this week. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. And uh, this one's just based on the title of the film and, and that song, Always Be My Maybe. Uh, were you uh, more a Mariah Carey or a Whitney Houston fan? You, that's what you're asking the audience. Yeah. Oh, that's what, yeah, you don't have to answer. I'll, I'll put it out there because... Yeah. Nah, look, like, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a Whitney, Whitney Houston Whitney. fan. Whitney Houston's yeah. got some great songs. Yeah. Uh, Mariah, Mariah's not too bad. That uh, I think probably what's ruined Mariah for me is that Christmas song that you hear a thousand times a year at Christmas time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Whitney's not too bad. She's with James Packer. <laughs> yes, that's uh, very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, we we will be back again next week for another film. Uh, we have another 2019 film where we're sort of making our way through 2019. We're not too far off uh, getting into halfway through 2019, but we've got an <laughs> <laughs> we've got an Indian Hindi language comedy drama next week. It's called Chopsticks. Okay. It's directed by Sachin Yadi. It stars Abhay Deol, Mithilda Palka, and Vijay Raz. That's what we've got next week, Chopsticks. Okay. Have we done an Indian comedy since Brahman Naman? Um, comedy. Comedy. We've done lots of Indian um, films. That Bridge Mohan one, that was meant to be a comedy, I think. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. So we haven't got a great track record with Indian comedies. And that's, Lo- you know, we love Per Square Foot. Nah, more, more of a rom rom com. Um, yeah, more of a rom. There's, was that one? There's either. one called like Fifteenth of August. I think I did that one by myself. That was meant to be a comedy uh, as yeah. well. But yeah, there's uh, oh, the, the I think I my favorite was that with comedies. Actually, that um, Lust Stories that had some funny moments in it. The anthology they did. Lust Stories, yeah. good movie. Lust Stories, and obviously, yeah, sometimes there's been some good Indian sometimes Indian movies, was, but um, was very good. Yeah. That was very yeah, good. So we'll but, to, uh, yeah, the comedies. Uh, we'll see how we go. I'll have to wait till next week to find out. But yeah, um, I, I didn't bring up Brahman Naman this time, so it wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> I can't get it out of my head, mate. It's been it's been two years, nearly three years since we watched it. We it's still the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> no, nah, we're gonna do a rewatch together. 
We should do a live, live <laughs> podcast watching that film. And that would, you'd have to do an expletive warning at the start. Once we can see each other, I'm down for that. That would be fun. <laughs> I am not wasting my time with you watching that crap. <laughs> uh, have a couple of beers. We could, uh, could, could quite enjoy it. Be good. Oh, God. All right. Well, All right. Oh, we, maybe. We, we'll wrap this up. But yeah, chopsticks next week. And yeah, good chat. I, um, I like a rom-com more than you. Point that's, five. That's very true. Good yeah. point. You did. You did. All right. Maybe the, the winds are changing. Yeah. Well, after we had last summer, and I think I like that more. We've, yeah. Who knows? The next one. Looking forward to it. That was still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There we go. You're in form. You're in. You're in rom com form. <laughs> oh God. All right. I will see you next week. I'll chat to you then, mate. <laughs>